God the Father. This morning I want to uh, talk about God, talk about the, the truth that God delivers. Now, as Christians, particularly as uh, evangelical Christians, when we speak of God delivering, what we're talking about is the, uh, really the heart and soul of the, what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I mean is this. Many times when some of us go out onto the streets, we will talk to people about the Lord, and we'll say, we're bringing to you the gospel, which is the greatest news in all of the universe, but to understand the greatest news in all, the, all of the universe, you have, to, you have to hear some pretty scary things. And are you willing to do that? Are you willing to listen to some pretty frightening things? And in general, people say, yeah, I can do that. I'll listen to, to what you have to say. And uh, what we tell people is that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what God uh, communicates to us is that we as human beings have sinned against him. We have offended a holy and righteous God. And God helps us understand that through things like the Ten Commandments, but he's also written his laws on our hearts. We know it's wrong to, to lie and to steal and to covet it and to, and to commit adultery, commit adultery in our hearts and so forth. And because of that, uh, if, if we're in that spiritual condition and we die, God has to give us justice. And his justice is a place called hell that we are sent to forever and ever. It's a terrifying, frightening place. But the good news of the gospel is this, that God loves us. And in his love for us, he has become a human being in Jesus Christ. He's entered into his own world, into his own creation. He's done what you and I can't do. He's lived perfectly in every way so that he becomes the perfect sacrifice for you and me. That's why he went to a cross 2,000 years ago so that God in his love for us could take all of our sins in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds throughout our entire life, all the sins of all people in all the world for all time, and put those sin on Christ Jesus at the cross. And then God poured out his anger and wrath against Jesus that he might not have to pour it out against you and me. And the good news is the moment that we put our trust and faith in Christ, not only are we forgiven of our sin, God gives to us everlasting life. He gives us the very life of his son, Jesus. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's God delivering you and me from our sin. God delivering you and me from sin and death. The wages of sin is death. It always has been. It always will be. But God in his love for us delivers us from that the moment that we trust in him as Lord and Savior. But what about those of us that have believed in Jesus? Does sinning stop? We all know the answer to that, don't we? Far from it. We continue to sin because we have a, what the Bible calls an old sin nature, and the only thing the old sin nature can do is sin and rebel against God. And what it teaches us that even as believers in Jesus Christ, we are ensnared by, entrapped by, and many times in bondage to so many different things in our lives, our sin. But God in his love for us still delights in delivering us from our sin. In a moment, we're going to hear a story about uh, Peter. Now, the story is not about Peter and his sin, but it's about God uh, delivering him from the powers of darkness. You and I can believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, but at the same time, we can be ensnared by the powers of darkness in many, many different ways. And it can make our lives miserable. It could leave, leave us with feelings of shame and guilt, but God wants to deliver us from those things. He wants to deliver us from the powers of darkness, whether we don't believe in Jesus or even if we do believe in Jesus, because that's the love of God, and God delights in delivering his people. So with that planted in our minds, 
I'm going to invite you, if you would, turn in your Bibles this morning with me to Acts chapter 12. We're going to listen to verse 4 through verse 11. Our brother Jason's going to read the scriptures for us. And as he approaches the, uh, the pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of, of the word of God. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Speaking of prayer, Lord, we thank you for these powerful words that we've just heard. Um, and God, we thank you that you are the God who delivers. There is no power in this world that is anywhere near you, Lord God. By your word, you deliver. And Lord, as we ponder these great, this great story and we think about these words, Lord, we're mindful that many of us here today might be uh, in bondage to one thing or another, things that we don't want others to know about, things that we might be ashamed of, things that just weigh us down, Lord God. Maybe it's, uh, there's a financial bondage that's happening in our lives, whatever it may be, Lord. We thank you that as we ponder these words, uh, what we hear from you, Lord, is that you delight in delivering your people. You delight in setting people free to know you, to love you, to rejoice in you, to know and love others. So, Father, as we think about these words, we hear these words, we pray that these words would be powerful and effective in our soul and in our spirit. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you, Jason. God delights in delivering. God delights in delivering. Um, it's a, this is a great story, and, and we'll hear a little bit more of the story as, as the uh, message unfolds uh, that uh, I think will be helpful that, would, that didn't get read. But in the meantime, I want to tell you the background of the story. I want to tell you the overall story so that you get a good idea of what's going on. First of all, uh, we know in the study of the book of Acts is the, the acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has, has, uh, has uh, brought alive the disciples, and now the Spirit of God is moving in them and moving out into the world, and more and more people, particularly the Jewish people, are coming to faith in Jesus Christ uh, in great numbers. And uh, prior to this, uh, Peter, who's in this story, has 
has preached to some Gentiles in Cornelius' house. They've come to faith, and now the gospel is going not only to Jerusalem, but, beginning, but it's beginning to take effect in Gentiles uh, uh, throughout the world, and that's God's plan. Still is God's plan. But if you remember last week, those of you who were with me, there's the old saying that goes like this. When God starts blessing, Satan starts messing. And as the gospel is going out more and more into the world, Satan is fired up. He wants to bring this to an end. He wants to snuff out this church that's, that's uh, growing and, and uh, becoming more and more powerful in the world. And he works through people. Satan always works through people or through governments and so forth. Well, he's working through this, this King Herod. And uh, King Herod was convinced, there's a lot of history about the Herods and so forth, but King Herod was convinced that he was the king of the Jews. And he's hearing about this, this Jesus Messiah uh, crucified and resurrected, and he would have nothing of this, so he's going to snuff this out. So what he does in chapter 12, we didn't read this portion, but in chapter 12 he arrests one of the apostles by the name of James. He has a mock trial, and he executes James. Now, for the ruling elite, the Jewish people, they're thrilled with what King Herod has done. And so King Herod says to himself, if they're liking what I did with James, they'll really like what I'm going to do with Peter, because Peter is one of the great, powerful leaders of this movement. So he arrests Peter. And Peter's going to be, there's going to be a mock trial for Peter, and he's going to be executed as well. So what we need to understand is that there's a power of darkness that is working, as the, as the gospel moves forward, as the people of God proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the enemy of our soul is right there to do everything in his power to bring it to an end. And, and we're reminded of that because it's true today. If God is working in your life in a powerful and wonderful way, you can, you can expect that the, the darkness is going to come against you in some way. And as you learn that, you'll begin to recognize it in your life, and you'll have a stronger faith in the Lord that he's going to see you through whatever you're going through. Now, once again, uh, we as believers in Jesus Christ can know the Lord, can love the Lord, but at the same time, we can be ensnared by our own sins. We can be attacked by the evil one. We can be in bondage by many different things, many different things. But no matter what it is, what we see in the story is God is powerful. And not only is he powerful, he delights in setting people free. He delights in setting the, the sinner free, the, those that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, by saving them, bringing them into his kingdom. But for his people, he especially delights in setting us free when we're ensnared by the things of this world that hold us down, hold us from growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, what I want to see is... Uh, how, how God does that in this story and how we can see that God will do that in our lives, particularly this morning, if you're here today and you're wrestling with something in your life that you know has got you in bondage in some form or some fashion. So if you have a pencil out, I want you to write down several words for me. And the first word you're going to write down is the word pray. What God wants us to see is that Jesus calls you and me to pray. Now, we know that. There's nothing new about that. But here's the different thing. We see in this story that God's people pray. Now, there's a difference. You and I have a tendency to pray. We pray with all kinds of things in our lives. But we have a tendency to be praying for our own needs. And it's understandable. We've got a lot of needs in our lives. But in this story, what we see happening is God's people are called by Jesus to come together and pray because a very significant and important personality is under the, under the, the, the power of darkness in the story. Now, whatever it is that you're going through in your life right now, you're praying for that. 
But what you really need is people around you praying for that. You need to know that this church cares for you, that this church loves you. And that whatever it is that you're facing, you need to know people around you are praying for you. And we'll see in a moment that they're praying fervently. Now with that in mind, listen to what what the story tells us in verse 4. Then he, now what what they're talking about there is King Herod. He, King Herod, imprisoned him, meaning Peter, placing him under the guard of of four squads of four soldiers each. Four squads of four soldiers each. Now there's a message there. Luke is helping us to see that in Herod's mind and Herod's thinking is, it doesn't matter who's praying for you, Peter. It doesn't matter how many people out there care for you, Peter. I've got you. And if I've got you, you're not going anyplace. I am the one that's in control. Now, whatever it is you're facing in your life today, that's what the enemy of your soul is saying to you. It doesn't matter how many people care about you. It doesn't matter how many people are praying for you. It doesn't matter what hope you think you have. I have got you, and I'm not going to let you go. You are mine. But listen to what the story tells us next. Herod, and this is a foolish thing on Herod's part because he intended to bring Peter out for public trial after, now watch this, after the Passover. Now for you and me, that would pass over us. We we wouldn't pay too much attention to that. But for a Jewish person reading this in the first century, it would hit them like a freight train. What Herod is doing is planning to bring Peter out for trial and execution after Passover. But here's what God's message is. Passover for for the Jewish people is God delivering his people from the power of darkness. And if you know the story, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pharaoh had the Israelites, the children of Israel, in his firm grip. And there wasn't anything that he said in his mind that was going to release, he was going to allow them to be released. They were going to be punished by him. But God had other plans. God has other plans for you this morning if you feel that, that, that Satan has you in his grip, God delights in delivering his people. Now watch this. In verse 5 it says, But while Peter was in prison, locked up, four guards, all these things around him, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The church prayed very earnestly. Now that's the same words, the same terminology that Luke uses in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when it says that Jesus was praying, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you know the Gospel of Luke, it says that he was sweating great drops of blood because he was praying fervently and earnestly. And that's what the church was doing. They were on their knees before God, and they were praying for Peter. Now, we want to pay attention for that because there is authority in the church's prayers. There is there's the authority of God, of heavenly power in the church's prayers. And they were lifting up and crying out before God's throne on behalf of Peter. Whatever you're going through, you need your church to be praying for you earnestly. You need your people around you crying out to God on your behalf, no matter what the enemy is doing to you. We're doing a study, uh, for those of you who might be visiting us, it's called When God's People Pray, and it's through the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And and, uh, Pastor Jim of uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle tells a great story of... of, uh, his wife, Carol, and he, and uh, their daughter, Chrissy. Uh, Chrissy was a wonderful young lady. She got into her teens. Uh, She's a believing young lady, loved the Lord, worshiped God with her parents every Sunday. But when she got into her teens, suddenly she became very, very rebellious. And uh, the more that they 
they uh, tried to straighten her out, the more that they tried to confine her and so on and so forth, the more rebellious she became to the point where finally she left home. Many nights they didn't have a clue where she was. She would come home for a period of time, she would leave once again, and they were heartbroken. This went on for two and a half years. Finally, one Sunday morning, uh, Carol came down as they were getting ready for church, and she said to her husband, Jim, we are leaving New York City. He said, what are you talking about? We're we're on our way to church to, to worship. She said, we are leaving New York City. She said, the enemy of our souls just spoke to me, and he said to me, I've got your daughter. Don't you think, for one second, no matter who's praying for your daughter, I've got her, I'm not releasing your daughter, and I'm coming after your other daughter. We're leaving the city. But Jim said, no, we've got to pray. And he continued to call upon the church to pray. In a very short amount of time, their daughter Chrissy became repentant. She came home broken, fell on her knees before her father, sought his forgiveness and God's forgiveness. And now Chrissy and her husband are serving the Lord someplace in Arizona. God delights in delivering his people. You and I may know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. But it doesn't mean that the enemy won't come against us in so many different ways. But if he does, God calls you and me to be praying for ourselves and praying for others. Now, when we pray, we have an object of our prayers. And the object of our prayer is the power of our prayer. So the second thing I want you to write down is that not only does Jesus call us to pray, Jesus is the power for our prayers. Write down the word power for me. You see, when we pray, we're not praying as religious people. We're not praying as theological people. We are praying to a person. It is God Almighty who has become a human being in the flesh, who has now ascended to the Father, seated at the right hand of the throne. That's who we are praying to. That is the power of prayer. That is the power in our prayers. And it is Jesus Christ. Now listen, that power is demonstrated 2,000 years ago through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That power is in God becoming a human being and humbling himself before all of humanity and being stretched out on a cross and bearing our sins on that cross. Now, when he bore our sins, he did two things. He bore the penalty of our sins, that's eternal damnation, and the power of our sins. You see, uh, the wages of sin is death. It has never changed and always will be. Jesus bore that penalty in his body. But he also bore the power of sin, the power of sin that enslaves us even though we believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. He has set us free by, the blood of, by his blood on that cross. But not only has he set us free, he has given us victory, and the victory is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We cannot forget that. We will be celebrating that in just a couple of weeks. It was not just the cross, my friends. If that were not enough, God loved us so much that he resurrected Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand. That is the power that works in our lives. And we pray that is the power that is released in our lives and released through our lives to others that are enslaved by so many different things, whether it's being a sinner that's alienated from God or a believer that's been entrapped in some way by the works of the devil. Now we see that in this story as it it unfolds. It's beautiful. Listen to what happens next. In verse 6, it says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, listen to this, he was asleep. Now that's crazy. He knows that the trial is going to be a a sham. He knows that at the end of the trial, he's going to be executed. So what's he doing? He's sleeping. Now, I don't know what you've got for problems in your life, but I know when I've got problems in my life, I don't sleep. And I'm not facing death the next day. 
But he was sound asleep. How could that possibly be? Well, he was sound asleep, my friends, because he was resting in the power of Jesus Christ. He remembered when the storm, you, you remember that story, when the storm came upon, upon the disciples in the Sea of Galilee, and they were terrified for life, these seasoned veterans of the sea? He was sound asleep because he was God, God in the flesh. He had no fear. He has no fear of the things of this world. He has no fear of what Satan wants to do. Peter was resting in that truth. That's where God wants to get you and me. That's where God wants to grow you and me. Though the enemy comes against us with his power and with his darkness, though he wants to enslave us in so many different ways, that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can rest in the power of Jesus Christ. We can rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and, the, and his resurrected life living in and working in us and through us. Now watch what happens. It says that he was asleep. Listen to this. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Other st- soldiers stood guard at the prison gate. Later there, there are other doors that they have to go through and a, a giant iron door. But the point, once again, is that he is ensnared, he's entrapped by the enemy of his soul, and it looks hopeless, but verse 7, something happens. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. A bright light shone in that cell. Listen, when you're enslaved by things of this world, when you're enslaved by the things of the enemy of your soul, and God wants to set you free, the same pattern is going to happen each and every time. It begins with a bright light. In the Gospel of John, it says this, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Whatever you feel is overcoming you, whatever you feel is enslaving you, it begins with the light of the Gospel of Jesus coming into your mind, into your soul, and into your heart, jarring you awake and drawing you back to the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ, drawing you back to the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ in your life. Whatever Satan has lied to you about, whatever he has ensnared you with, caused you to be in bondage with, he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. But it's the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to redirect your thinking and set you free. Because watch what happens next. Not only does the light come in, but it tells us that an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Quick, get up, he said, and watch this. The chains fell off his wrist. Whatever's got you, got you ensnared, got you enchained, chains, it's going to be the light of the gospel that's going to make those chains fall off you. It's going to be the light of the gospel in your mind, in your heart, being reminded of the power of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life that will begin to set you free. And once those chains fell off, the angel says to him, put your sandals on. You're going to have to start doing some walking. And when you walk, you're going to start walking with the Lord. And not only that, he said, put your your coat on. The scripture says to, to, to clothe yourselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he said, follow me. The angel said, follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus. Out of bondage. Out of being ensnared. Out of being lied to. Out of shame and guilt out of whatever it is that that the enemy has got you ensnared in today. He wants to set you free. The scripture goes on to say that Peter left the cell in verse 9. Do you see that? Following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. 
They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate. Now that iron gate was a huge gate. It would take two or three men to move that gate. And watch this. It opened for them all by itself. They passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left them. They started walking down the street, and the angel suddenly left them. Listen. God delights in setting you free by the power of Jesus Christ. But it requires that you allow God's light to come into your mind. If you are, if you are behaving in a way that's not pleasing to God, the light of the gospel has to come into your mind and tell you, stop doing what you're doing. It's harmful to you. It's going to ensnare you. It's got bad for you. So the truth of the gospel has got to come into your brain, into your heart, to turn you, to cause you to repent and start following Jesus once again. But once you begin to do that, that's when things, the, all the pieces begin to fall in place. That's when you pass by the guards. That's when the, the, the iron gate opens up. That's when you begin to walk in freedom. And that's why G, the, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, it's by freedom that you've been set free, my, my, my brothers. But don't use your freedom to, to, to follow again a yoke of slavery. God wants to set you free from the yoke of slavery. God delights in setting you and me free from a yoke of slavery that we might honor him and glorify him. And we can count on him. He's the power that does it. The, a number of years ago, uh, the BBC, the British Broadcasting uh, Corporation, was doing a, a documentary uh, about something that was going on in London. And part of the documentary, they sent a sound crew and a video crew to Trafalgar Square, a very, very busy place in uh, London. And so they spent a day or two just filming people coming out of the, uh, uh, out of the uh, getting on buses, off buses, coming out of the subway and so on and so forth. And uh, they were recording the sounds of people talking and, and the, the noise of the cars and buses and so forth. So they gathered all that, they brought it back to the studio, and they started to piece it together with, uh, with the other things that they were doing with this documentary. Uh, but there was a strange voice. There was something that was coming through that people couldn't quite understand what was going on. And uh, as, as the technicians were working on it, a whole bunch of them, uh, it was lunchtime, so they all went off to lunch, and uh, about an hour later they came back, and when they came back, one of the technicians that continued to work on it, as they walked into the studio, he was still working on it, but what he had done is he had stripped away all the noise. And what they had heard, uh, which was sounding strange under the noise of cars and, and buses and all of that sound, it turned out to be an old homeless guy and the guy was sitting there in the studio, and that's what you could see the video and everything that was going on, but all you could hear was this old homeless guy. And here's what he was saying. The blood of Jesus. The life of Jesus. The love of Jesus has never failed me yet. The blood of Jesus. The love of Jesus. The life of Jesus has never failed me yet. Well, they, <laughs> they, they took the London Philharmonic Orchestra and they built a piece around what that guy was saying. They included it into the video and this went into all of England. All of England heard about the power of Jesus Christ to deliver people. It's the power of Jesus Christ that will deliver you today. If you don't believe in him as Lord and Savior, he's calling on you today to surrender your soul to him. 
If you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and the enemy of your soul has got you ensnared in some way, he wants to set you free today. But it's when you pray and people pray for you and and you go to the power of Jesus Christ, that's when things will change in your life. And this story is going someplace, my friends. It's going to the third word that I want you to write down, and that's the word believe. This is what this is all about. Write down the word believe, if you would, because Jesus teaches us to believe. Do you remember, as you write that down, do you remember the story in the Gospel of Mark, the the man who had a son that was demon-possessed, the disciples couldn't cast the demon out, and the man pleaded with Jesus, and he said to him, "If, if you can, please cast this demon out of my son. And Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can? Everything is possible for those who believe. And the man's response was this. I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life I say, Lord, I believe. But I need your help with my unbelief. That's where God is taking us. He wants us to believe. That's what opens it up, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his power. That's when things begin to happen. Listen to what the scripture tells us next. Peter finally came to his senses. (laughs) How many of us need to come to our senses? Now, when we think of it, come to our senses means, yeah, I finally recognize what's going on around me. I can see it, I can hear it, I can feel it, I can can touch it, I can taste it. We think of coming to our senses as our five senses. That's not what's happening here. He's coming to his spiritual senses. You see, there's the darkness, dark spiritual forces that work against us as we believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to be set free in, our, in, our, in, the, in the gospel of Jesus, in our spiritual things. Because that's what Peter says next, isn't it? It's really true, he said, the Lord has sent his angel, save me from Herod, and for what the Jewish leader had planned to do to me. God delivered me. God's power delivered me. That's what I'm believing in. God has set me free. That's what God wants to do in your life. God wants to set you free today. Whatever it is that you're going through, God wants you to know that he can do it. He can set you free from the the suffering that you're going through today, the shame, the guilt, whatever it is that you're facing in your life. God will set you free, but you've got to believe it. You've got to trust in it. And here's what it says, finally. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. This story began with prayer, the story ends with prayer, but here's here's what's delightful. If you don't know the story, Peter goes to where they're praying for him, and he knocks on the door, a woman named Rhoda opens up the door, she looks at him, and she slams the door in his face, goes back to the others and says, Peter's angel is at the door. Well, in the meantime, Peter's knocking on the door, saying, no, it's me, open this door, you bonehead. Now, all this believing church is in there fervently praying for him, but they didn't believe that God would deliver him. God wants you and me to believe that he will deliver us, that he delights in delivering us. The enemy of our soul will come against us with all kinds of things, and very powerful, very convincing, very intimidating. But he is no match when God's people pray. He's no match for the power of Jesus Christ. And he's no match when you and I believe, trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let me give you a little assignment. 
Take a look at the uh, bottom of your paper on the uh, second side, very bottom. It says what to do. And you, do you see that in bold letters? Uh, palm, uh, palm. Psalm 50, verse 15, do you see that? Here's what it says. Call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day when you're enslaved and ensnared. I might deliver you? No, it says I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Call on Jesus. Have others call on Jesus on your behalf. Believe in the power of Jesus to deliver you. And he will. That's his promise. He will. Uh, three years ago, there was a young man that used to hang out on the steps here at uh, Deering, from Deering High School. And he's a uh, wonderful young man, Mus- Muslim young man. And... Um, Steve Keeley and I, would, uh, we worked with the teens hanging out on the steps and so forth. And this uh, one particular day, the, kid, the kids were coming into the church. And, and it was interesting because they were asking us questions. Well, this particular young man and another young man stood in the middle of the aisle there. And they said to us, teach us how to pray. Well, we thought that they were mocking us and making fun of us. So we didn't pay too much attention to, to what they uh, had asked us. And we were continued to, to talk with other teens. Well, in a few minutes, they said it again. They said, would you, would you please teach us to pray? And we began to realize that they were sincere. They wanted to learn how to pray. So we were both a little stunned. And, and uh, Steve took one young man, and I took the other young man. And this young man that I began to talk to was, was this particular fellow. His, his name is Isa. And in Arabic, Isa means Jesus, no less. So I shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I asked him, would you like to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And and uh, he said yes, and so we prayed together, and, and he prayed to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I, and I believe with all my heart that he did that, that he sincerely repented of his sin. I believe with all my heart that he sin- sincerely received Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, I saw him a few weeks after that, and he said, uh, Pastor Don, I'm going back to, I forget whether it's Afghanistan or whatever, but he and his family were going back to Af- Afghanistan. And so he disappeared, but then another year or so later, all of a sudden he was back on the steps. And not only was he back on the steps, he was part of uh, Mrs. Menard's class. I've told some of you about her, and she brings Deering students over here on, occasionally on Fridays, and they do little projects around the church. Did a, did a uh, food drive not too long ago. And Issa was with them a couple of times, and uh, Issa disappeared again. And um, unfortunately, I saw uh, this Friday in the newspaper uh, somebody told me, or uh, no, I guess Mrs. Menard wrote an email to me. And I opened up the email, and it said, Pastor Don, please pray for Isa. Uh, it's in the newspaper. It's in all the news today. He has just been accused of attempted murder. And maybe you saw that in the paper Friday. He and another young man, uh, they shot and stabbed two other young men. And it said, over a small amount of marijuana. Now, once again, I believe with all my heart that Isa received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I can't, God doesn't allow me to look in the book of life. I don't know for certain, but I, I sincerely believe that he prayed to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. But he hasn't had a nurturing in the gospel. He hasn't been growing in the gospel. And because of that, he has become ensnared. He is now in bondage, not only to the use of alcohol and drugs and and a life that's not pleasing to God. He now has done something very frightening and unfortunate, and his life is broken. But God delights in delivering his people. 
But you know what Esau needs? He needs the church to be praying for him fervently. He needs the church to be calling upon God. He needs to be taught that Jesus is the power that will deliver him from his life and what he's doing in his life. He needs to be taught what it is to believe. You see, God delights in delivering. God delights in delivering the sin from utter damnation. But God delights in delivering his people that have been ensnared and entrapped by the things of darkness. And God will deliver you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are God Almighty. And we fully recognize that there is a dark power in this evil world. His name is Satan. And he does everything in his power to keep people from coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. But you are greater than his power. And you delight in delivering people from the bondage of sin and death. But God, we as your people, we are easily ensnared in our old sinful nature. We are easily in bondage to things that we shouldn't be doing, things that we shouldn't be thinking about. We get easily in bondage to financial things, any, any number of things, emotional things, any number of things. And I, and I believe today, Lord, that there are people here that are deeply troubled, deeply worried, worried, deeply anxious. I believe that there are people here today that are depressed because they have been ensnared by a liar and a murderer by the name of Satan. I also believe, God, you want to set people free. I also believe, God, that you delight in setting people free, that you love these people here today are dear to you beyond their imagination. If today you are struggling, if today you are feeling hopeless, if today you feel like you're at the end of the rope, I want to encourage you. God wants to deliver you, whatever it is. And in fact, I want to invite you right now to just come down front here. If, if, if you've been ensnared by something and you feel hopeless, I'm, I want to invite you to just to take a step of faith, to believe. Come down front. Let somebody pray for you. Deacons, elders, you come forward right now. and You, you come forward and you be prepared to pray for, for somebody that may need, may need prayer, whatever it is that you're ensnared by. God wants to set you free. If you're here today, and all this sounds kind of strange to you, this gospel of Jesus stuff, maybe you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you are what God calls a sinner, and you're, you're alienated from him, but he would delight in saving your soul right now. If you would like to know Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to come forward. You come. One of these elders, one of these deacons, they'll, they'll pray for you. You take this opportunity. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that you delight in setting people free. Anybody here, take this opportunity. You come forward.
Let somebody pray for you. Let somebody lay their hands on your shoulder. Let somebody give you a hug, give you an encouragement today. Whatever you're going through, you come forward. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you delight in setting people free. Anybody here, you come forward this morning. You take this opportunity. Let God speak into your heart. Let him touch your soul, your spirit. Maybe, it's, maybe you've been messing with drugs. Maybe you've been messing with alcohol. Maybe, you've been, maybe you're in financial distress. Whatever it is, you come forward and let somebody pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else, you come forward. Anybody else? You come forward right now. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you've been without a job. Maybe whatever it is, you come forward. Let somebody pray for you. Let them minister to your soul right now. God, speak into your life. Tina, would you help us with some with some music? Thank you, Lord. You come forward right now. You have, take this opportunity. God is calling you. God loves you. He cares for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Take this, take this opportunity. God wants to set you free. He's moving in your heart. He's moving in your life. Right now, Lord God, you come forth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you. This is a holy time. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord God, as prayers are being lifted up for folks right now, Lord, we just thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the love and grace that we have in Jesus Christ. For anybody else who may feel awkward about coming forward to see one of these elders, see me after church, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to give you an opportunity for God to set you free. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. We pray your blessing, your holy blessing. Oh, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. And we pray for this all, all of this, in Jesus' powerful name. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Now, we're going to invite you, if you would, to stand with us, and uh, they're going to continue to be prayed for here. And uh, once again, as we're about to sing Thrive, and Thrive is all about God wanting you and me to thrive in our faith in Jesus Christ. And... Uh, as we sing, if you feel the Spirit moving in your soul, you come forward. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, God wants to minister to you, and, and uh, one of these folks here would be more than happy to pray for you. So let's sing together, Thrive. What we're going to do is celebrate a God who delivers us. Living water flowing through God we 
those who could not come, fill us with the love of Christ and send us into a world that's in desperate need of Jesus Christ. We pray for this in his wonderful name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.